This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brett Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Woolsey and thank you for joining us this morning. With me, as always, is Chase Woolsey. Good morning, Chase. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Good. Well, it's uh, quote-unquote football season. We always talk, start off in football season for the high school football, it is. Uh, great win last night for you guys, uh, Poway High. You kind of uh, demolished uh, Del Norte, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a good team this year, so it, it, it was a fun time. And, um, you know, unfortunately kind of have a lot of adversity we got to overcome this year with COVID and, you know, kind of the, the battle of that and throughout the whole season and now injuries. It just, yep. it, it's, it's been an interesting year, but, you know, it's, as I said last week, it's just good for the kids to be out there and, you know, talk about my younger brother getting his senior year. At least he, he gets something there. And, uh, you know, 3-0 and is a good start to the year. We got two more yeah. games, so hopefully we can uh, finish out with league. I thought Payne's playing six. It's five. Five. Gosh. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> oh, well. Um, you know, and, and it was great last night, too, to see some of the guys that don't get to play. The, the second string got in there and got to play a lot. And, and I did like at the end, the announcer goes, and the score is. And I think they told him, don't say the score. <laughs> I think so far every game this year we've been able to get Everybody on the team reps every really? game because uh, we've been winning pretty handedly. So, yeah. well, you know, but the next two weeks will, will be a little more challenging, I'd say. So, um, you know, as I said, it's oh, good. It's been a fun year, good, um, good. but it is and, what it is. And for those that don't know, Chase is the linebacker coach for the uh, Poway High School football team and the defensive coordinator for the uh, JV. Yep, JV. We're 2-0. and Should have two shutouts, but we missed a, we missed a game last week because right. Westview didn't have a JV team. Yep. Well, we're glad to see that happen. Yeah. And uh, two more to go. Gosh, doesn't seem like a Wow. I know. Everything's uh -huh. upside down. And, and It is. I'm just excited. I do think we'll we'll see a normal football season come <laughs> this next year. I, I hope we get back to quote-unquote more normalcy here because it just is is kind of uh, difficult. By the way, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis for a stock you own or look at buying, selling, or holding, you can call us in at – uh-oh, the phone number's covered. Where is it? Uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And as always, that I get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. <laughs> you know, talking about uh, dealing with adversity here, I, gosh, I wake up and my computer's at 30%. I left my charger at the the office and I thought I shut it down but it didn't want to shut down so now I'm I feel kind of naked here I don't have my computer to look at I'm saving it so I can pull it up when the callers start calling but it just feels weird yeah no it's kind of like what what, 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 what are we gonna do here oh. these darn apple products I'll tell you what <laughs> I know it I know it yeah and sometimes you just gotta remember that uh that uh uh charger there you know so but uh, anyways, uh, I, I do want to talk about, too, we, we do have, and it's this Thursday coming up, the, the live workshop uh, that we're going to have. And I do have to mention, and please don't let me forget this, I want to tell people, we only have 10 seats left. We said seating is limited. We've had a very nice 
uh, interest in this because, I, you know, people listen to the show and they say, wow, your show is very informative. It's educational. Um, this is what the workshop is about, how to educate you and inform you of the right way to invest. We're not momentum investors. We're not like, oh, we're going to find the next hot stock that's going to go 100%. We show you, we talk about how to invest for the long term, how to make a good return on investment. Uh, the proper way using fundamental analysis. And it is a free workshop. Again, seating is limited. It is uh, Thursday, April 8th, starts at 6 o'clock. going to be at Alesmith Brewery. So it's a no host there. You can grab a beer. You can have, a, you know, I think they're going to have a, a nice food truck there and, and uh, grab something to eat. But uh, what you got to do, you got you to gotta, you gotta sign up for it. And you go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or you can call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Uh, talk to Janae. She just signed up. And we're looking forward to seeing you uh, this Thursday, April 8th. And we're excited because it's been over a year since we got to be on the public actually talking with people. Oh, I'm so <clears> excited. And I'm excited to Ale Smith, too. I, I know I'm going to grab a couple beers after the uh, <laughs> the, the workshop there. So. <laughs> We'll, we'll probably hang around afterwards. Have a, a, a beer or questions, two, and, yeah. And, and yeah, kind of talk with people and sit down. Yeah. So, so looking forward to you, you being there again. That is uh, Thursday, April eighth, six o'clock at Ale Smith Brewery, uh, right off of Miramar Road. Uh, website: smartinvesting 2000com Uh oh, I got that feeling, like I want to sneeze. Uh -oh. <laughs> I'll be ready to take over if you uh, sneeze. Why? Your computer's not up yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do talk about. We got to talk about the uh, March jobs report. Uh, it was it came in very good. Warm, warmer weather, increased vaccinations, and economies reopening was a major positive for the March jobs report as 916,000 uh, increase in the new jobs blew past the estimate of only 647. The unemployment rate now just 6%. And I remember last April, remember it was like 15, almost 15%. Yeah. And it's, oh my gosh, we're never going to get back to where we were. It's going to take years. Well, here we are, not even really a year later, because next month is when we'll see the That's April right. numbers. So we'll, we'll see where we're at one year later after the crisis when kind of things really hit the fan. So I, I'm excited for that. Um, and I, I'm just excited to continue to see things improve. And, and as we've been talking about, I mean, the <clears> sectors <throat> that were strong included the leisure and hospitality sector, which saw a gain of 280000 And this one, I... I'm surprised by that it kind of led, but also not surprised by when you, you look at it. Right. The public and private education added 190,000 jobs as schools resumed in-person learning. <laughs> what a concept, right? Yeah, you dude. reopen the economy, you let restaurants reopen, you let schools reopen, you can bring back more staff now. Hey, <laughs> there's going to be more jobs. It's it's a crazy concept. And, and you, I, I do point out here with the U.S. economy still 8.4 million jobs below where it was before the pandemic. We do believe here that there are still a few million in easy job gains ahead of us as we continue to benefit from the reopening of the economy. And I mean, you, you think about things like the Padres games. Right. Well, now we're at 20 percent capacity, I think, is where we're at at the games. Well, now that we're actually having events again. That's event staff that can come back. Those are going to be easy jobs. All you have right. to do is reopen, and you get those jobs back. And cleaning crews come yeah. back. I mean, you, it just creates so much more. And who who I give credit to is I give credit to the entrepreneur, the hard worker out there that actually runs businesses, and they've made it through this craziness we've gone through to have the resilience 
to come back and especially restaurants being closed, what, two, three times? And they're still there. Yes, we're going to come open. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to the American people, not the government, not anybody else, but the American people, because they're the ones that have made this work very well, because they just do not give up as they should not give up. That's why we have jobs. And what was the unemployment before this all happened? Was it below four, wasn't it? Yeah, it was getting low. Yeah. 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 I think it was like three point something. Yeah. Yeah. So I. It it seems like so long ago. I, I. forget you, know? <laughs> you must be getting older no. a, year, a year ago <laughs> well covid year is a lot longer than a normal year yeah, it really makes time drag but but again i, I just want to give uh, an applause to the uh, american business person out there that's done so hard we've seen them on tv you know these people that their restaurants are closed and reopen closed reopen they they built patios run heaters um all kinds of businesses have just done whatever they could do to survive and, and that's who gets credit for this great jobs market you know and i i I'm going to say it. I don't know if I should say it, but I I remember we did a post on this kind of near the beginning of COVID. And it was just about how it was kind of unfair to these business owners. And somebody commented and I saw these comments about, well, these people must not be very good at business if they don't have like six months available in cash. They've been making all these profits. They should be able to get. And I'm sorry, there is nobody anywhere that would ever have thought, hey, you're going to have to close your right. restaurant. Yeah. That that that's not a poor business practice <laughs> like and, 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 and they have such thin margins too. Right. It's not like, oh, these restaurants they're making billions of dollars. I mean, you talk about the small mom and pop shops. Gosh, they they are barely skating by because it is so hard. You you're not making like a 35% profit margin off of people. Right. And and the thing too, Chase, is that what happens as well is that we had a booming economy. Businesses were growing restaurants were opening and a business, a new business, sometimes for the first two, three years, they don't make a profit. So again, you may have a business that's been open, you know, 18 months, maybe 24 months, just getting going, almost maybe going to make a profit. Oh, sorry. We're going to shut you down now. Oh my gosh, I put all this money into it. So and by yeah. the way, you still got to pay for the liquor license. You still got to <laughs> pay right. your property taxes. Good luck. Yeah. See, I mean, and, and that was wrong. I mean, the, the, the states, if they shut you down, they should have said, you know what, we're going to either refund you or you don't have to pay for the liquor license, something to help out as opposed to say you still got to pay this and your taxes, everything else. It was just, you know. But again, who is doing, who gets the credit here is, again, the American businessman and woman uh, that really put together a, a plan to get through this, and now they should be rewarded going forward. Yeah. Yeah, and as I said, I, I do think that uh, I think it's going to be – pretty good through the end of the year in terms of job gains. I, mm-hmm. I think we'll continue to see us fight back, but I think starting probably end of the year, uh, actually, I think we're going to have a really good holiday season, so I think we should see good job gains through the rest of the year. I, I would be surprised if we have any kind of hiccups along the way, but I think beginning of next year is kind of where we're going to have to start to get over the hump because right. you're not going to have these jobs where it's like, okay, we're reopening. Now we just have a flood of people <laughs> coming back. There's not going to be that type of driver that it's like, oh, it's easy to create near a million jobs. That's not going to be the case. And I I do want to, and again, as every day goes by, I see more in 2022. um, I think this will be a good year. I think 2022 will be an okay year as well. The reason being is that money is in the economy. And $1 does expand to other dollars because that dollar, you you pay that person a dollar at the the, the grocery store. They go out, they go to movies, they go to dinner, they do other things with that dollar. So that's how it expands in the economy. I think that will be fine next year as well. Not as good as this year because we just got a flood of money. But I think 2023 will probably have some tax changes by then that will start the reverse of sucking 
money out of the economy. I think 2023 at this point in time is going to be a difficult year um, for, for, for the economy. Yeah, so. no, I'd, I'd have to agree. And I, I think the other thing that's going to be hard is you're going to start to see comparisons against this year and 2022. Yeah. And it, it's, <clears throat> it's not going to be as favorable where you're like, oh, GDP grew at 5% last year. Wow, things are booming. GDP was up 0.2%. You know, yeah. it's going to be, I think, a lot slower. And and I think that's going to spook people because you always like to see growth. And you when you have those year-over-year comparisons, I mean, like when you start getting earnings, yeah. I mean, you're going to see earnings booming over the next couple of quarters because you're going to have such oh, easy comparisons. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you had, again, a fall off on the economy. Businesses shutting down. Now you're going to have this, this huge surge in earnings because, well, you were closed last year at this time, so right. you had no earnings. You had losses, and now, wow, you made a profit. You're up 150% in your earnings. It's crazy. Yeah, and because of SE rules, I can't tell. Because when I talk to my clients, I tell them what our projections are that we do. And I'm, I'm usually pretty close. I was pretty much on last year uh, just based on what I see. And, and what I can say is that this year is, I think, going to be a very, very good year. Next year, I think, is going to be a good year. And then again, 2023, eh, Gonna be difficult. Well, yeah. we'll put it that way. So, uh, speaking of uh, investing, let's talk about a recent study. Was recently done showing over the last fifty years that stocks with a price to sales, and we talk about that here on the show, uh, of about fifteen times had terrible returns for the next three and five years. The average return for the next three years on these companies was a negative eighteen percent. And you wait two more years to five years, it doesn't look much better. It actually looks worse, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you look over the, the total five years, it produced a negative return at 28%. And I call these stocks, I just thought of this, I call these stocks the excuse stocks. Because the excuse stocks. <laughs> the excuse stocks. <laughs> well, it's trading at 20 times sales. It's very expensive. Yeah, but it's Zoom. Everybody's using Zoom now. You, you come up with excuses of why to hold it. There's no fundamental reason for why to hold these businesses. Oh, it's, it's going to grow and it's going to be the future. You make up all these excuses in your heads of why this is going to be a great stock. It makes absolutely no sense for something to trade above 15 times sales. We talk about the long-term average for the forward PE, which stands for earnings, not <laughs> sales. It's about 16.6. There's no reason the price to sale should be anywhere near that. Yeah. But I can tell you, people don't have over a hundred percent profit margins, <laughs> so it, it's just crazy. And you know, people people will say the darnest things sometimes of why they hold these stocks. And oh, it's it's, it's you just don't get it, right? Okay, well, I, I I'm not going to hold it because as we've just shown, you can see some big big losses. And until a five year return of negative twenty eight percent, you're not going to be too pleased with that. No, no. And this going out uh, to 2026, this could really hurt people's portfolios. Uh, so you really have to check your portfolio, your price to sales. And again, we, we, we've talked about price to sales and we look at the valuations of all of them. So maybe it gets mixed in there, but we don't do it just to fill time. We do it because it's a valuation ratio. And if it's too high, uh, I, I have, I just always pull up my computer here. Um, well, I'm not going to say that, but, but I mean, when we do that number, don't just skip over it because it's another valuation ratio. And again, it shows here that gosh, five years with a, with a high price of sales, you can lose, what was it, 28% over the next five years. Well, and the, and the the beautiful thing about price to sales 
is there's no let me say like arbitrage there's no yeah. fudging of the numbers i mean the sales are the sales with earnings you can kind of massage things with you know depreciation kind of some non-cash expenses with cash flow maybe you have some one-time events that occur where you have a huge liquidation let's say in inventory and your cash flow just looks phenomenal that's not going to really be uh, the case with sales. So sales is a, a great way to look at it because it's a pure number. Right. It is what it is. So, I mean, that's why we always tell people, like, when they call in and, well, what are the top three things you look at? <laughs> it's not It's not possible. Right. Yeah. They sometimes say five. Yeah, top five. Okay. <laughs> you have to look at all these numbers, and, and that's why we do run through them. Like, the company comparison that we always go through, we go through all these numbers, and it's not like, ah, just pick out five that we like. No, we got to look at right. all of them. All of them. And yeah. you have to understand how all of them work together. As right. well. So, I mean, as you kind of said, make sure you're checking those price to sales on your companies because you could be left <clears> holding <throat> a dog over the next five years if, if you're not careful. Yeah. And, and again, we'll talk more about this at the workshop as well. And that's what we talk about the workshop, spend a little more time with, with these things. Uh, I, I do want to talk about, I hope you get, I, I get this name correct. I've not heard it pronounced very much, but it's the crashing down of Archegos. I say Archegos. Archegos. Typically uh, a CH is a ch. <laughs> Yeah, our, our we'll Chico's, go Archegos. Yeah, we'll go Archegos <laughs> Capital Management. I'm sure you've seen this in the news, uh, but it has revealed some very, very ugly secrets. This was a highly leveraged head fund, and unfortunately, they were not alone in their abuse of leverage. I mean, Wall Street revealed that hedge fund borrowing reached a new peak uh, in January, according to Goldman Sachs. And this is worrying me because is there more to come? Was this just a, a tip of the iceberg? Because I think a lot of other hedge funds and other uh, investments are kind of highly leveraged. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, we've kind of seen, and we'll talk a little bit more about the exact case of the Archegio situation. But but the problem here is you kind of see what happens when these these high highly leveraged companies have large positions. They can move the market very very quickly because mm -hmm. they just start to liquidate, <clears throat> and it could move things. Especially when you look at what a lot of hedge funds are buying. I think a lot of them are kind of doing what we call the window dressing. Yep. Oh, well, I haven't had Amazon. I need to get into Amazon. Yep. So people are happy that they have Amazon. And then all of a sudden, they need to liquidate Amazon because, well, they, they don't have any cash. They had too much leverage. It, it's going to be problematic. Things start to go down, as we kind of saw here. That could be a huge problem for these momentum stocks. And as we've kind of been saying, value isn't sexy. Right. The hedge funds aren't chasing value higher and higher. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's uh, buying. You know, uh, trying to think of a a good value stock that, that we don't own. I don't want to give it away. Okay, I'll say like a a Bank of America. There we you go. know, financials have done well, but nobody is overly enthusiastic on it. Where it's trading at thirty times earnings or anything of that nature, where they're chasing it higher and higher and higher. Right. It's not one of those momentum stocks that's just going to, I think, crash and burn like you could see with a lot of these high flyers. That oh. I missed out on Tesla. Sorry, Brendan. That's up a thousand percent. I need to get in on Tesla <laughs> just to show everybody I have Tesla, and that's where I think a lot of problems are going to ensue. Yeah. I like how I slipped that in there quickly. Yeah, <laughs> he was on the phone, but he still caught it. Even though he's talking to somebody else, he still heard. Just <laughs> say that. So, but uh, and it is so important, and, and and you know people don't understand. I mean, margin is very dangerous <clears throat> because again, you get a margin call, and that's what happened. It wasn't that this company wanted to sell. What actually happened was Viacom was a big uh, one here where they announced that they, they're going to borrow some more money. So the stock started to fall, and then as the stock falled, then the companies, the, the, the banking companies, started calling uh, the, the, the hedge funds saying, 
we need more money. Now, the other problem, too, is that hedge funds are not limited like you and I. We can only do 50% margin. Many of these hedge funds are 100, 200. I've seen a 300% leverage, and that's how they get these big returns. They, they, the different rules apply yeah. to them, and that magnifies the gains but magnifies the losses, and that's what you don't know. And, they, they, and it gets so complicated here that what really worried me is that they didn't actually, quote-unquote, hold the positions. Yeah, and I was going to say, let's talk about that. Sure. that There's next... so much to talk about this to really try to help people understand it. Well, yeah, because we, we talk about that a little bit more in our, our next kind of topic here. I mean, just speaking of that, you know, investors actually wonder how these high-flying companies yep. <clears throat> like Netflix or Amazon, well, how could they ever lose 40 or 50%? I mean, it's kind of things of this nature. I mean, we, we talk about this example of Archegos where over this last weekend, you know, they had to sell off billions and billions of dollars of stock they held because of those margin calls, you know, and it's very complicated because as we were kind of getting into here, they did not actually hold the stock. They didn't right. buy that stock. They held what was called swaps. So no one actually knew about their positions. Right. I mean, it's it's very dangerous. And, and these are things that people do not understand about Wall Street and why we don't mess around with these crazy things. And if you buy value companies and you, you look all the fundamentals, you won't be stuck into these pools. But it makes me wonder how many other hedge funds have swaps on perhaps Netflix, NVIDIA, uh, Amazon, uh, Apple. I mean, yeah. you know, because they all want to be part of it. And, oh, we, we can be smart. They found some loophole to get around it because normally you have to report that you own a 10% owning an, an XYZ company. Well, with the swaps, you don't have to do that. It's a contract with the bank that you're dealing with that you will pay them. And what they have to do is that it goes up, they get credit, and they can pay a fee for that. But it goes down, they still get the, the downside to where, hey, you, you got to pay more money here. So it, it's another thing on Wall Street that people do not realize. And it's not, I don't want people to blame Wall Street. It's not like, oh, you, you know, that's not fair. No, you as a little guy, you have to understand what's going on. That's why we spend so much time. People say, oh, I, I can do what you guys do. They don't realize we spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week reading, <clears throat> analyzing, really understanding things. It takes a lot because it is a very, very triple tricky game to get into yeah and i mean kind of on that point as well is that's why we always tell people you know people oh all financial advisors are the same that's not true at all i mean if you look at kind of our strategy compared to i'm going to say 90 percent of other advisors 95 percent oh you got to do the asset no we don't believe in asset allocation we believe in our value approach and we do things much differently but we spend a lot of time doing the research and that's why i always tell people as well is when you look at returns don't look at just the past year, how things are doing there, because, yeah, things can be similar from financial advisor to financial advisor in terms of your total returns, but it's going to be that 10-year period where things can actually change quite drastically. And that's where it comes if you're looking at a financial advisor. Well, what is their strategy, actually? Right. You have to understand that strategy. Spend time making sure that that makes sense to you because the financial advisors, their strategies are different. Yeah. And if things start to go down, and you don't understand that strategy with that advisor, you're not going to feel confident. And that's the problem. And I, I did want to also kind of touch, we, we briefly mentioned Viacom, but I, right. I, we have the numbers on it as well. And I, You want to get the numbers? Okay. Yeah. And I kinda, okay. I didn't know if you were looking at yeah, it. Yeah. So. I mean, we, we can talk about it. And, and I've not looked at it since, because uh, we actually did look at buying it when it went down. Uh, so we'll, we'll even talk more on Viacom for people here. But it's, you know, Viacom, uh, the symbol is V-I-A-C. Uh, about a week ago, on March 22nd, the stock traded $100 a share. And then just one week later, the stock closed at $45 a share. And this was caused by the margin calls in the hedge fund 
who did not have the cash. Therefore, the liquidation began. So if somebody does own Viacom, I'd encourage them to call in to look at it because what we saw when we said, okay, well, let's look to see, because it went from 100 to 45, like, wow, this could be a great opportunity. But I believe they brought on uh, uh, convertible. I think, and I forget the numbers. Was it $2 billion? It was like $2 billion, I think, of stock and perhaps convertibles. Convertibles, yeah. It's like, whoa, that's going to destroy their balance sheet, and people don't understand convertibles, which is another thing, I, and I know we don't have time to talk about it. We did a very nice post on it. But it's another thing that people don't understand that companies are doing with these converts, as they're called, to right now, they can get almost a zero, if not a zero percent interest rate. Like, wow, let's just sell a convertible, bring in $2 billion, and we don't have to pay anything on it. But what's going to do when it actually converts down the road if your stock goes up? Oops, dilution of the earnings. Yeah, it, it's a long-term thought process, yep. and people oftentimes just have that short-term mindset. So that that's the issue. And, I mean, I, I do kind of wonder on Viacom. I know you said let's look into it, but kind of from the start, I was like, I I wasn't too interested because, I mean, gosh, I remember looking at the beginning of last year at 17, right. <clears throat> and it, I think it started to build on this hype. And moment. I was shocked it got to 100, but I think there was a lot of <laughs> momentum behind it. Again, this this the thing, too, we talked earlier in the show about having all this money out there. I think this money is starting to chase these high-flying stocks. We go, oh, it's going up. I, I have cash. Yeah. I want to get in. And then right. it's this self-fulfilling prophecy where all of a sudden it goes up, and it goes up higher because people want to get into it. But the problem is, it's again, the, we always say it's the greater fool theory where you're hoping that somebody else out there is more foolish than you. And then this is an, a great example, and it can happen quickly. And you don't know what's going to be that triggering point where all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, we're liquidating. We don't want out. And then it starts to go lower. And then what happens is it's kind of the opposite effect where it's like, well, just get me out of this thing. I don't even know why I bought it in the first <laughs> place. And it starts to fall lower and lower and lower because there's nothing that's fundamentally backing that particular company. Yep, exactly. Let me go to the phone number. It's going to open the phone lines here. Uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And as always, that gets you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And Chase, I do want to kind of finish up the conversation. I, th I think I've finished most everything. If you have something else, let me know. But the thing, too, is that I, I want to point out to people, you know, I saw it go from 100 to, uh, again, 45. So I said, well, let me take a quick look. So I took a quick look at the numbers. Okay, some potential here. Then as we started, then I, I said, Chase, let's kind of look at this a little bit more. Then as we got dig deeper into it, like, oh, wait a minute here. Their balance sheet was kind of heavy to start with. Yeah. Now thinking forward, they, that will not. So if somebody calls in about Viacom now, we give the debt to equity. It's not going to be true because it's based on the last quarter. Well, we know they have about $2 billion more coming in, and we don't know how it's coming in, but we know it's going to be there. So you've got to understand this stuff. So that's why, you know, we tell people, when you call in, we're giving you the numbers. We're going to give you those numbers, but you've got to continue the research because we don't ever, ever buy a stock like, oh, we did five minutes of research. <laughs> Let's invest in this company. It takes so much more. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, that that's why we take the time doing it. And it, it it's not a week long process sometimes. I mean, there's there's kind of two companies I'm going to yeah. say that, that we've had interest in right now. And, and and we've said before, things are tough right now. It's, it's not yeah. an easy time to find good businesses. Uh, things are expensive. But there's two out there that that I'm pretty excited about. And we haven't finalized the research completely on the two of them. 
but we're in a pretty good spot saying, yeah, we feel quite confident that these are, are two good companies, but we haven't pulled the trigger yet because yeah. there's some other things that are like, ah, are we sure on this particular point? And we're going to research that particular point until we have confidence that those two items are resolved with that particular business. So, you know, don't think again that, oh, there's, there's nothing to buy right now. There's always some things to look at, but just be patient with it. Again, yeah. it might take you a month, but a month is not a very long time. You'd hate to just buy something, jump into it, and then all of a sudden it goes lower and it's like, gosh, what did I get myself into? I don't even like this company. And now you're holding this company you don't even like right. and at a loss. And you're like, well, now do I wait for it to get back to break even? Do I just sell it? it it's a it's a game you don't want to be playing. And also, too, I do want to kind of caution people. We, we do give, I think, more information on this show, more educational information than I think most of the other shows. Maybe, maybe all the shows. I don't know. Um, but again, when we tell you, yeah, that looks pretty good. That does not mean, oh, go out and buy it. It means you've got to do your research. And if you don't understand how to do the research, you come to the workshop. We'll show you what we do. Even then, I mean, because we spend about, what, an hour, hour and a half maybe explaining all about investing and so forth. I have a degree in accounting. You have a degree in accounting. I have an MBA. You have a what is MBA. It? MBA as well. Um, we've done a lot in accounting and finance over the years, and we base it on that. And we try to help you here on the show to kind of point in the right direction. But it is not an easy thing to do. And and what is kind of funny, I'm going to go to calls right after this, is that a lot of people, they buy the stock on Friday, and then they call on Saturday. Yeah. Well, please, at least call on Saturday, then buy it on, Friday, on Monday with a little bit of research. Uh, I know you said you're going to call us, but this is my last thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> Just kind of carry over on that point about doing the research and, you know, take time with it. The thing you also have to understand is sometimes you might do the research, and this has happened to us many times. Actually, yeah, I think in the last year it's happened to us three or four times right. where you do the research and you're looking at it and all of a sudden it goes up 20, 30%. It happens. Yep. And it's like, well, you missed it. Yeah. But it's okay. I mean, uh, Warren Buffett has a quote that says, you know, nice thing about investing in stocks, it's just a no strike game. You know, I shout out to the Padres here. They're starting off hot, you know, speaking <laughs> of baseball. But the thing is, you know, you don't have to swing on every pitch. Right. And sometimes it's going to take a while for you to find things, find that pitch. And your, yep. your pitch is, of course, the companies that you're looking at. And, oh, I missed that one. It went by me. That was a good potential hit. Yeah. But you missed it. It's okay. There's a lot of other companies you can look at out there. It does suck. I'll tell you that. We're not oh, excited yeah. when we miss it. And But, hey, I said I'd rather be patient with those companies until we find that right one. And we'll, we'll be patient. And sometimes, like I said, it takes a month, two months. Yeah. Maybe what happens is it did go up 30%. Maybe all of a sudden it goes back down 20%. Yeah. Hey, you did the research on it. Add it to your watch list. Now you can buy it. Yep. And, and that, and again, we always talk our, our slogan, our company is no emotions, just results. And that's a very important part you bring up because, again, if it does go up 20%, like, oh, I did all the research. Oh, what's going to do good? So I'm just jump into it. No, you've got to be. And patience are the other big thing. We should say no emotions, just results, along with patience or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. No emotions, lots of patience, just results. Just results. There we go. Okay. <laughs> 866-577-2473. Uh, let's go to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, guys. Our Padre stock is reaping dividends. I'm loving this season yes. starting. Hope you guys are, too. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> I was hoping you guys could look at a restaurant group out of Texas. It seems like a, a chain of pizzas. I bought it during the pandemic when it was low, about 56 cents a share, and I was just wondering the numbers behind it. I bought it because they sw like got a new CEO from Bojangles, 
mm-hmm. that was supposed to help streamline the company. Okay. Uh, and again, I, I uh, when I saw the symbol rave, R-A-V-E, I did not think restaurant, but I, I'm, I'm liking this because I, unfortunately, there's a lot of restaurants that have gone up way above the price they should have. So I'm hoping we can find some restaurant that's been unfounded as the potential because I think restaurants going forward will do well. So let's take a look at the Rave Restaurant Group Incorporated symbols, R-A-V-E. Unfortunately here, Tim, no P-E ratio versus 63 for the industry. Price to sales, three versus 4.3 for the industry. Price to book value, 6.1 versus not material. And unfortunately, price of cash flow is not material for Rave versus 34 for the industry. Now we do see that the sales were down 29.5% year over year versus 147 for the industry. Er, uh, price, uh, earnings per share of the last uh, 12 months year over year, wow, down 405%, which you would expect, but the industry down 48%. The balance sheet, got a current ratio of 3.8 versus 1.2. That sounds pretty good, but a little bit of tip here. The quick ratio, which is more uh, liquid, uh, such as your cash and short-term investments, is not material. So a lot of the current ratio appears to be and probably accounts receivable and inventory, not that great of a liquid asset there. Debt to equity, here is something that does look good though, 51 versus a negative 1,400. Uh, return to equity is a negative 96 versus a negative 83, no surprise there. Uh, net profit margin, there isn't one, they have a net profit margin of, of a negative 51.6, which means they lose almost 52 cents. Is that 52, well, they have 52 cents on every dollar they bring in. Industry has now turned to 6.7 positive, and receivable turnover is 8.2, half the industry at 15.4. Uh, not liking what I'm seeing so far. I, I don't know if you see anything going forward here, Chase, or not. Well, so this is a, a pretty small company here, uh, and before I get into that, uh, we'll take a look at the, the price kind of fluctuation. I mean, current price here, $1.41. 52-week range is $0.38, cents, and 52-week high, well, that's $2.36. I think you said you saw, bought it around 50 51 cents a share there, Tim. So you've done well on it. That, that's that's a positive. Yeah. And the other thing I was looking at is the, the market cap is just $25 million. So, I mean, gosh, when oh. that was at 51 cents, I mean, it was pretty darn small. Yeah. <laughs> you divide that by three, God, that puts us at, I'll call about $8 million market cap. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a tiny company. And I, I look at some of the names. I, I don't recognize too much of it. Uh, I see it was founded in 1958 in uh, Texas, but the, the companies that they franchise is Pizza Inn and Pie Five. Or those are the two franchising opportunities. I, I'm not too familiar with that, which is somewhat of a concern because I, I'm curious if they are heavily concentrated in maybe just Texas, maybe just the south there, because right. I'm not familiar with them whatsoever. Now, the other thing about being a small company, there's no analysts on it, so I can't oh. give okay. any estimated earnings, can't derive a target sell price. Um, just one thing that uh, if you have interest in it, you want to continue to do the research. I mean, you've done well on it, so maybe, hey, just move away from it because it is quite risky. Is I would say maybe look at pre-pandemic, you know, how were their earnings? What did their income statement look like? What were the profit margins? Can they possibly get back to that type level? Maybe even see some growth over time. Yeah, I mean, this, this company, if it does take off, wow, could explode because it is so small. But also because it is so small, go out of business yeah yeah and the thing you want to realize tim here you're investing in a company that's very high risk it's very small i mean they could grow this company to be the next uh pizza hut you know kind of guessing there domino's domino's, domino's is bigger there we better. go domino's is bigger 
Um, but uh, but also, too, I think your risk is very high. Uh, if you came to us at the office and you had this, we would say, no, we, we definitely want to sell this because it's just very risky. And, and I think there's other things you go out there. And I'm disappointed, though, Tim. I was hoping maybe you had the restaurant. We'd say, yes, this is the restaurant we're going to invest in. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is not it. <laughs> Well, if I felt that solid about a restaurant, I'd be calling you on the other secured line, guys. <laughs> <There> we <go>. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, good luck with it. Uh, you know, hopefully it does well for you, but we, we can't give it a recommendation there. All righty. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, guys. You too. Thanks for calling. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I don't know. Uh, Tim's a big Padre fan, so I was going to say, you know, I wish I had the same confidence that we do in the Padres, but we just don't have that just with the stock. That. It's, yeah. it's just yeah. it's a murky future. I can't quite can't quite make that out right now. <laughs> All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before we go back to the calls, I looked up. It's time to talk about financial planning, and for that, we turn to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Still stuck here in San Diego. What city are you in today? So right now I'm in a place called Morro Bay, which is a little bit outside of San Luis Obispo. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds kind of nice. Yeah, and I, I was talking to Harrison. I, I was like, I want our <laughs> listeners to make sure that they know Harrison it's in the office Monday through Friday. Right. <laughs> he just decides to go driving Friday night and then is there Saturday and then comes back Sunday. He just likes to drive a lot, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he's not taking time off, right. go, going all these places for fun. He's still working his butt Yeah, off he still shows office. up every Monday morning on time, bright and ready to go. So, um, Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so and, and also, too, I do want to point out before I forget, you are going to be at the workshop. Uh, this Thursday, uh, April 8th, uh, at 6 o'clock at Ale Smith Brewery. Uh, you'll be talking a little bit about financial planning in addition to the investing part. And we'll be there for people to ask questions individually of you also after. Because, again, financial planning is something that is very important to, for people to put into their plan. So uh, we're glad that you'll be there on Thursday at the workshop. Yeah, absolutely. I will be there. Looking forward to it. First workshop in uh, quite a long time. Yeah, I hope you were last year was the last one. Yeah, I, I hope we remember all our parts and what to say. <laughs> what if we forget? Yeah, well, <laughs> my part isn't very long. You guys have the long part. So. <laughs> well, what are we talking about today? So, uh, what I wanted to talk about today, um, I kind of teased with it a little bit last week, but um, recently I met with I met with a prospective client who's currently working with a competitor of ours, um, and under their advice, that client is contributing the maximum amount to their Roth 401k. So $26,000 a year is going into the um, designated as a Roth for their 401k. Um, however, if we take a look at their actual situation, the client right now, their taxable income is a little bit over $300,000, which means they're in the fourth federal tax bracket at 24%. And on in California, another 9.3%. So their total marginal tax rate is 33.3%. Also, that client is going to be moving to Florida in like a year and a half who does not have state income tax. And then lastly, when we look at what their retirement income is going to be composed of, um, it's some Social Security, which is partly tax-free on the federal level. There's some pensions and 401k, which is ordinary income, but then there's also this Roth income that they have. So they're actually going to be in the second federal tax bracket in retirement, which is currently only at 12%. So basically what they're doing is they're missing out on a deduction of 33.3% now, and then they're doing that just so they can only have to pay 
12%, maybe 15% in the future if we get some tax increases. So this is an example of someone who doesn't really understand how taxes work or how to apply tax information or someone who just doesn't take the time to understand their clients because there's no reason at all that they should be contributing to any type of Roth right now. It, it's definitely all the pre-tax um, information now or that's what they should be doing to, to get the, the tax deductions. You know, Harrison, this is so important. And I tell people when I, I, I talk about you as a financial planner, you're like, you're like the captain of the financial ship. And what you have to do is you got to ask the right questions. And this is the problem for many accountants, they don't know the whole investment, the whole legal side, the whole and tax side. They only know a small part of it. Where you as a financial planner, you can see everything for th that client. And also, too, you know what questions to ask. And that's so important is know what questions to ask as opposed to just say, well, nothing here. Okay, let's just do the Roth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do yeah, want to point that out again, Harrison. I mean, this is just, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. This is a great deal that they're missing out on yeah. a 9.3% deduction in California. You don't have to pay California back if you move to <laughs> Florida. Right. There's no state income yeah. tax in Florida. It, it's a clear 9.3% deduction that you just get for putting it in there. Yeah, in and states. what happens is a lot of people, tax advisors, financial advisors, they're always saying, well, taxes are going up in the future, so those Roths are great. And, yeah. That is true to some extent with all the spending we have on the federal level and uh, all the stimulus stuff. And, you know, right now we're in a relatively low tax environment. So we absolutely could see some tax increases, but it's not enough to, you know, base everything off of that. A lot of times what we see is people are in a higher tax bracket now, but in retirement, they'll be in a lower tax bracket because yeah. of the way we structure their income. So even if tax rates do go up, that doesn't mean your taxable income is going to go up and it still might be taxed at a lower rate, which is absolutely this case on the federal and the state level. So, um, yeah, it definitely makes sense to, to look a little bit deeper in it. And it, it's kind of bittersweet because I feel bad that these people and there's a, I know a lot of people out there that are kind of hold the wrong advice. Um, but then it's sweet because then we get to come in and be like, oh, we're going to save you guys a whole bunch of money. And they're usually pretty happy about that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and Harrison, the big question is that you don't know what you don't know. And, and I don't know what your, your topic is for next week. But I was thinking maybe what you can do is come up with something. I'm putting you on the spot here. Something that shows who really benefits the most from a, a true financial planner. I mean, I, I know it's not the guy that has, you know, $25,000 in the bank. There's not a whole lot you can do for him. He's 20 years old. But who mm, is right. there some type of, you know, example of, of what somebody would look at and say, yeah, that they should really be talking to a financial planner. Because I know a lot of people think, oh, I'm smart. I can do it on my own. But they don't know what they don't know. And I'm just wondering <laughs> if there's a number or uh, an age or something that is out there in the financial planning world saying, yes, this is the group that is generally best fit for financial planning. I'm going to say um, it's hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's so yeah, many people out there yeah, that, because yeah, Go there's ahead. usually always somebody who can make a better decision or, or structure something more efficiently. So that happens across age groups uh, from, you know, the early twenties all the way up to, I mean, we have clients in their nineties, which we're doing a ton of stuff and really helping out a lot. So I think people run into different phases of their life where they need different types of advice um, and, and so it, there's really no no group that works better or other. Now, most of the people I do work with happen to be getting ready to retire um, or have just retired and they're structuring income, which is kind of a different uh, what, different than what they're used to. And there's a lot of value there. But I also have people who are in their 30s um, who 
you know, need help as well with, with the buying houses and raising kids and funding college and saving on their tax bills there too. So it, it, it's all over the place. Yeah. And, and those people in their thirties, and I was going to say that uh, they could really benefit because then they can have a much better retirement because they did the right thing. And how many times have we talked to people? Oh, I wish I had met you 20 years ago. You know, so the 20 yep, years. I hear, that, <laughs> hear that quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, I will say too, the other thing about those people in their thirties is you talk about structuring income and how do you structure it? Well, if you can set up the right, income streams in your 30s it's going to be very easy to structure income when you get to yeah. retirement yeah. so it's, yeah uh, exactly you important. you won't you'll be able to retire a whole lot faster decades sooner in some cases if right. it's all set up correctly and the important thing too for you harrison that uh, we tell people this all the time is that you're on a salary uh there's a fee for what you do uh, you know many times people go to a financial planner oh yeah we, we don't charge financial planning but they'll sell them some crappy annuity or they'll sell them some mutual funds or charge them some other crazy fees for other things life insurance life insurance all these things and maybe they do need life insurance but again you're completely unbiased because you're not selling them any product they pay you a fee for that unbiased advice so very important there's very few true unbiased financial planners and in, in the city the state the country so already Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for me. Um, and I'll talk to you next week. Yep. We'll talk to you on Monday and you have a great, uh, great weekend there. Have a good Easter. Yes. Happy Easter. Yeah. Happy Easter to you guys. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Again, there's uh, Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. Again, he is on the salary. He, you know, is, does not sell product. He truly is a fee-based financial planner. You he works for you is what he actually does. So you want a free consultation with him, call the office at 858 858- 546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. You can also find them on our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. All right, Chase, I see you close your computer down. You ready to open it up? And yeah, I got to <laughs> open it up. Yeah, so how much? How much uh, 26%. 26%. I, we might be able to make it here. So, all right, the so phone number is here, 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're the smart vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi, guys. The stock I'm looking at is Applied Materials. It's one I don't own. Mm, okay. Uh, how long have you been looking at it, John? You know, tell you the truth, probably since 2019. It, um, you know, it was probably down in the 30s, and then it, it's jumped, and now it's probably up around 140. But i um, wondering with the chip situation if there's still some some room to run for that stock. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking, too. I'm, I'm kind of excited to look at this. I have seen this come across, again, with a chip situation because what they do, they don't make the chips. They actually make, I, I think, the components that go into the chip and so forth. Or the I think equipment, the, the manufacturing equipment. equipment, 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 equipment I think them and LAM Research may be competitors. Maybe, maybe do it, yeah. So, yeah, let's take a look at the numbers here on Applied Materials. Symbols A-M-A-T. Not a great start. The P-E ratio is 33.9. That is below the industry at 37.3. Price to sales, 7.1 versus 6.6. Price and book value does look good for applied materials, 16.5 versus 23.7. But price of cash flow is expensive at 30.7 versus 20.7. Now, they do pay a small dividend of 0.7%. Use 21% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales are up 21.2% year over year, above the industry at 106 we also see earnings per share were up 38.2%. Now, the whole industry 
was only up 0.5. So applied materials did very well uh, growing their earnings year over year. We do see on the balance sheet a nice current ratio, 3.2 versus 2.3. Debt equity only 47 versus the industry at 64. We see return on equity is 38.3 versus 18. That's a good number along with net profit margin, 21.2 versus 16.7. That's positive. And receivable turnover, 6 versus 8.2. Inventory turnover, this is kind of disappointing, a 2.7 versus 4.7, but they may be in with the chip companies and not have their own separate industry. Chase, what about the numbers going forward? So current price here for applied materials was $141.52. 52-week high, $142.36, and that 52-week low, $41.58. So again, just exploded off that low right near the high. Uh, go out to October 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share $6.51. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of just $108.07. So it, it, it's definitely pricey. I do think that they might ride a little bit of this momentum yeah. <clears throat> depending on, I think, this infrastructure deal. I know semiconductors is a, a potential area where they could see some money flowing in and i, I think it's a definitely a needed area as well as we've seen with this chip shortage for the auto manufacturers it's not a good thing to have and we've been talking about this now for over a year i believe not nah, probably not over a year about a year about how we need the chip manufacturing here in the united states we're not relying yeah. on these other countries around the world so i think that is something we need and i know applied materials could be uh, a component that would benefit from that but the thing is, as we've kind of seen, even under the Trump administration, infrastructure is supposed to get done, but these politicians just can't get along, yeah. so <clears throat> nothing passes. And I think if that was the case and nothing passes, I think you could see this fall because the momentum's going to fizzle. So yeah. I, I think there is potential that it goes higher just off the momentum, but as you know, John, we're not momentum investors. Yeah, we'd rather wait for that pullback to actually say, okay, well, let, let's buy it now, because there it, it, it could be a pullback. and. If not, I think I'd rather miss it than jump in and pay too much for it. Yep. Okay, John? You know, is it a good one to sell puts against, you know, and, and wait for it to come down? Um, I mean, that's a, a good question. We don't like to get into naked options because there's a lot of risk there. And I, I know what you're thinking there on the, on the put side. Um, but you could actually lose money on that. It could never, ever get there. And you could be like, ah, I, I lost X dollars by, by doing that strategy. So I'd rather be back to the basics of buying businesses at the right price and stay away from the, the puts and the naked options. Yeah. All right. I, I wouldn't do that. I'd, it'd be more like a cash secured equity put. So I'd, I'd have the money and, you know, then take, then have it put to me if it, if it did, uh, if it did hit that strike. Yeah. And, and I know I, I very briefly, I visited that strategy a long time ago and it didn't yeah. fit in long term. There's times that it worked and times it mm -hmm. didn't work. And I thought, no, the times it doesn't work, um, is because what I, what I kind of looked at was, well, gee, we use a limit price. Why not use the put strategy you're talking about? And it just didn't mm -hmm. work because then, the, and I don't want to get in too much detail on it, but there's times that you're going to be out when like, shoot, I wish I didn't do that. And, you know, so we'll, mm -hmm. my recommendation, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John. All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, you know, kind of briefly touched upon it, but I, I, I do – We've gotten more details on the infrastructure deal, and I, I, I do want to make it a point this week to probably do a post on the infrastructure yep. conversations that are occurring because they're they're not a given at this time. I think you're, the Democrats aren't happy because it's not far enough, and the Republicans aren't happy because it's too much money, so I, I don't think this is going to be the final deal by any means. Um, 
But I, I do agree. We need some type of infrastructure here. Right. There, there's no denying that fact. Um, but I, I, I want to make sure we probably touch on this a little bit more next show is, is this infrastructure. Because yeah. I, there's a lot of components there that touch on the semiconductors. We need some type of growth in that semiconductor industry. And there's some other areas as well. Yeah, we, we can talk about that next week. And, and I think what you're seeing now and all the hype and so forth, this is not what's going to pass. And that's why we're not like, oh, you're all up in arms about it. Because I know, as you said, some people say it's too much. Some say it's not enough. Um, so something's going to come out or something will, will come through. I don't think we're close to what's going to come through yet. I know. But, I, I uh, saw it come out. And uh, like, should we write a post on it, talk about it this Saturday? I was like, ah, it's, it's not going to be this you know right. it's, yeah. <laughs> and it's not the numbers that we that we want because when you think of infrastructure because we talked before years ago about how the the civil engineers give our our infrastructure what a, a d rating and i was going to do a post on that because that came out at the beginning of this year so it ties all in together ties it all in. Yeah. so yes am i talking too much about kind of you are you're taking away from all the right, yeah, for next well, week okay well, we will talk more about that i i i, I do want to give out the phone number so 866 577 Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Edgar. Edgar, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, um, I'm fairly new at this uh, uh, stock market thing. I bought probably like about a, a month into this, and I got into cryptocurrency. So I wanted, and I ran across XRP. And I wanted to see what you guys think about XRP because I know they're going through a lawsuit with the SEC. Mm-hmm. And I uh, want to see your guys' uh, uh, price projections or what do you guys think about the company? Okay, so XRP, they, they actually uh, – so is that a public company? Because uh, I saw a cryptocurrency. <laughs> so. uh, no, it's not a – Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, Ripple. Ripple is the company, but they're, uh, get the, I guess their cryptocurrency is the uh, XRP. Okay, so that's a cryptocurrency because yeah. there's, I think, like 8,000 yeah. cryptocurrencies out there. So, uh, Edgar, you said you started yeah. this about a month ago. You have to determine what you want to do. Do you want to be speculative and swing for the fences and try to hit the home run and become rich you know, very quickly? then cryptocurrencies oh. may be the way to do it. But it also may okay. be the fastest way to get to the poor house as well. So yeah. you've got to be very careful here and understand your risk because we do not recommend nor do we do invest in cryptocurrencies because we're very conservative. We do not like to lose people money. And you have to understand yeah. what is your investment philosophy going to be. Uh, Edgar, do you mind if I ask how old you are? I'm 32. 32. So you, you, you're young. And one thing that you're missing out by being so speculative is you're missing out a long-term compounding effect. You have over 30 years before you retire. That's a lot of compounding. But if you invest in yeah. this XRP, this cryptocurrency, and it does great for a while, then it goes under, you lose everything. Now you got to start over yeah. from square one. You're going to miss the long-term compounding on that. Yeah. And a couple of well, things. I did my research on, I did my research on the, I mean, it, it's, I guess, the cryptocurrency, I guess they look for something that might solve a problem. And uh, I guess supposedly that's going to solve a problem about money transfers from bank to banks and countries to countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess their price back last year was about three dollars and eighty four cents, and then it's right now it's at sixty three. I bought in at fifty two, and right now it's at sixty three cents. And um, yeah, I want to know if you guys know anything more about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you kind of look at that they're trying to solve a problem. And, and what I'd recommend is really think through it. I mean, uh, <laughs> this past Thursday, we had a my birthday lunch. And this is what we talk about during my birthday lunch. We <laughs> talked about cryptocurrency for about 30 yeah. minutes. And 
I mean, we uh -huh. honestly just don't understand the problem it's trying to solve. You talk about bank transfers. Well, you know, oh, it can be so much faster. Well, these banks, they have the ability to actually invest in their own technology. And, you know, you, you look at a thing like, like Zelle. I use Zelle all the time. Yeah. I can transfer money to, you know, my friend for dinner, let's say in the matter of seconds now. So it's not really displacing that as a potential money transfer thing. You talk well, about moving. I mean, if you're if you're sending if you're moving about a hundred dollars, I mean, you could you could sit through Zelle, but I guess they're moving money from company to company. I'm talking about trillions of dollars or millions of dollars. So if you do it through the bank, it's going to take you about a week or two weeks. Or I don't know until it clears. And yeah. supposedly they're saying that it takes about a couple of seconds. Because I, I mean, I guess I. I have to look a little more into it, but from what I've heard the CEO talk about, that's what he's saying. Okay. And and I was going to say, several years ago when, when cryptocurrency was uh, hot like it is right now in 2017, you actually look at the patents that banks have on blockchain technology. I mean, they had a ton of patents on blockchain technology where they're investing a lot of money yeah. as well. And that's that's a tough competitor. I mean, the banks, they're trying to solve this issue as well, and they have a lot of money to solve that issue. So, I mean, the thing is, as Brent kind of alluded to, it's very, very speculative. And, I mean, we just, to be frank with you, Well, don't. the only reason, one of the reasons why I got into it also, because I know that Google's backing it up, and Bill Gates, and the Rockefellers, and, 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 and I Edgar, Edgar, I got to kind of cut you off because we're, we're running short okay. of time. And, and I do want to tell you, be careful of stuff like that because that's what you read. Okay. But many times they might say, yeah, okay, well, we'll put $100 there, you know, which means yeah. nothing to them. And, and that's why when you read this stuff and the, when, when we invest in companies, we look for reasons not to invest as opposed to reasons yeah. to invest. We can't find a reason not to. We're going to. You're kind of doing the opposite. You're looking for reasons to do this, which is very dangerous yeah. because you're going to feel good about it. You're going to do it. And maybe, maybe you're right, but it's just very risky. And that's when I'm going to cross you. You're, you're, you're 32 and you're – you, you, I, I just hate to see young people lose their money because they miss a compound. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as okay. kind of last thing to Brent's point there as well is I can find almost a reason to buy any company out there. Yeah. But as Brent yeah. said, make sure you're looking again. What are you missing? That That's a big thing you have to look at investing is what are you missing and what could be that potential downfall to this? Not what is the, the most upside, yeah. but what is the most yeah. downside? Yeah. All right. Okay. We, we got to let you go. So, um, yeah, just be, be careful and understand the risks that you're taking. Alrighty? Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Well, I know we're just about ready to break here. Uh, we got Steve in San Diego coming up next. Uh, Paul and Escondido. We haven't done anything with Facebook with Robert and Jason yet. We got that to do. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. We got the second hour of the Smart Investing Show coming up. Taking your calls. A lot of great information. Um, Where's the music? I thought he said 30 seconds. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Okay, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this quick break.
Alrighty. Wow, that was a quick break. Welcome back to the second hour of the Smart Investing Show. Yes, phone lines are open. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, that hour went by so quick. I don't think I promote the workshop except for the beginning of the show. And I I, I feel... I think we hit it twice. Did we hit it twice? Okay, yeah. yeah I, I want to hit it because it is this Thursday. And I, I don't want people to miss like, oh, I didn't know about it. So let me talk about it now. The workshop is going to be... It is our first one since the... Uh, we couldn't do one over a year ago. Uh, it's going to be a live workshop uh, at Alesmith Brewery, April 8th, this Thursday at 6 o'clock. We're going to talk about all the fundamentals that we use to get us through COVID-19 understand the details of calculating our target sell price, which also helps with your buy price. And then what we see happening in 2021 and looking forward to 2022. So if you've been confused on what to do over the last 12 months, confused looking forward, uh, this is what you want to attend. Now, sitting is limited. As I said, we only have about 10 seats left. What you need to do is go to our website now, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can also call the office at 858 858- 546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Talk to you today. You can just sign up. And we look forward to seeing you this Thursday at Alesmith Brewery, April 8th at 6 o'clock. Talk about investing and really helping understand the fundamentals of how to invest. And it's so important because the, the strategy that we use, the strategy that, that we'll kind of show you in more detail, I mean, it's it got us through covid it got us through the financial crisis. It got us through the tech boom and bust. And people, oh, you got to change this. You got to change that. No, it's the same strategy. And you've been doing this now for, gosh, over 20 years, this particular strategy. Yeah, been strategy. in the, the finance world for over 40. Don't want to yep. give away your age, of course, but yeah. your experience, I guess <laughs> we'll call it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't come out of college like, oh, I got, I got the perfect plan. I mean, it took time to, to – so this is actually – I've been doing this for 41 years. It's actually built over time. And I'd see things in the finance world like, well – well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, because there was a time that I worked for a, uh, for for like a brokerage firm and for a bank, and that it was just sell, sell, sell. They didn't care what the investment was, and I'm saying this just doesn't seem right. And and I met, I worked for another smaller company, and they would never ask, "How's the client doing? <laughs> How much did you make in commission?" I go, "Well, yeah," and that's what they would ask every every Friday, every Monday. How how much your commission you're making? Wouldn't you care about? What I'm doing for these people, they didn't give a, I almost said a bad word. I want to give a crap. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a bad word. Now. <laughs> okay. Well, I think he can't say in junior uh, high school. I yeah. <laughs> but but it, and it just was wrong to me. And I said, so I did a lot of study and a lot of analysis. And that, that got me to this. And again, I've been doing this particular strategy here for uh, well over 20 years. Um, I was also, I think, back in the early 90s, one of the first people to kind of realize, like, why are we charging commissions? Shouldn't we be more of a kind of like a fee basis? So I was the, one of the first people that I can remember in the 90s or the early 90s. I mean, that was what almost, well, it's about 30 years ago to where instead of charging upfront commission, I was charging a 1% uh, fee based on the assets, uh, which was unique back then. Like, wow, you're not going to make any money. Sell <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so a 7% commission yielding product. Yeah, It'll be yeah. way easier. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be out of business pretty soon doing that. And I thought, well, no, if I do well, uh, I, I mean, if they do well, I'll do well. And it, and it has worked. And now that's pretty much a trend in the industry is that, you know, you charge a fee versus the commissions. And, and you won't remember this, probably a lot of listeners won't, but there was a time when I first got into the industry, you would sell a mutual fund for an 8.5% upfront commission. It's like, wow, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, those days are long gone. 
Yeah. So. Doesn't matter how the mutual fund does. I got my eight and a half percent oh, commission. Yeah. And if it didn't work out, I'll sell you another one. <laughs> yeah. That's what I don't understand is when I see people that charge front end, back end loaded mutual mm-hmm. funds, I'm like, who does that nowadays? You know, it's still out there though. It, it's, it's still out there. And, and then the B shares were another one like, oh, we don't charge anything up front in the mutual fund, but you were stuck in it for six years. And the commission, I believe, wasn't quite as high. I think the commission was, I think, uh, 4 or 6%, depending on the mutual fund company. Yeah. And they are still out there. Be, if you're in mutual funds, be careful of the A shares, B shares, C shares. Make sure you understand the difference of those, which we won't go into details here. We do talk about that in the workshop, though, don't we? Yeah, we yeah. do. We do. Yeah. And and the point I just wanted to make is, you know, this is just such a, a, a good strategy for all times. You know, people, oh, I got to change my strategy for each, you know, president. I got to change my strategy for, you know, the technology future. No, I mean, the dynamics of the, the world, they change. But the, the fundamental value of what you're paying for things does not. And that's why right. value, I think, you know, it's worked for centuries, and I think it will work for centuries more because you have to understand what you're paying for something, and that's why our strategy works, and I think that's why it's important to attend the workshop. Exactly. All righty. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's head up to Escondido and speak with Paul. Paul, you're in the Smart Vessel over in Chase. How can we help you? Uh, Bank of America. All right. Do you hold that or looking to buy it, Paul? Well, looking maybe to buy it, but it's more expensive now than it was, what, a year ago, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's see if it's still a, a good buy on Bank of America. Their symbol is BAC. We do see not a great start here, unfortunately, Paul. P.E. ratio is 21.1. That is above the industry at 16.5. Same thing with price of sales, 4 versus 2.9. Now, price of book value does look better, 1.7 versus 1.6. And then price of cash flow, 18.6 versus not material for the industry. Now, you get a 1.8% dividend from Bank of America. They use 38% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales year over year were down 27.6 for Bank of America uh, year over year. But yet the industry was up 0.1%. We see earnings per share fell by 32% for the industry and for the company. Same there. The balance sheet, they're a banking company, so they don't have a current ratio. Debt to equity is 165 for Bank of America. 316 for the industry. Looking at uh, return on equity, it's only 6.7 for Bank of America versus 7.8. Net profit margin, 20.9 versus 17.7. And no receivable or inventory turnover. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Bank of America, $39.49, right near that 52-week high at $39.97, and well off the 52-week low of $19.00. And 59 cents. And I still stand by my point I made earlier in the show where I don't think you're going to see an Archegos type situation where it's going to collapse. But it, it, it's gotten more expensive. It's done very well. Um, but I do go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $2.90 would give us a target sell price of $48.14. So there's still some positive upside to it. I wouldn't buy it necessarily at this level. I'd be a little bit of patient with it. But I, I think there is still some potential to this company. If we do get a little pullback, I think we do believe we're going to have a 10% correction here at some point. You might want to look at a company like this during that correction because I think we're going to see a, a pullback in mostly everything. But these are the type of companies that I think will come back much quicker. And uh, it's a good business. And this is another company. We talk about earnings growth. Yeah. Gosh, this earnings growth is going to be phenomenal because last year they had all those loan loss reserves that they had to <clears throat> put into their earnings that just – 
depressed them so drastically. I mean, I look at 2020, they made a dollar and 87 cents. Now this year they're estimated 253. Yeah. I mean, you're going to hopefully start to see those loan losses come off the balance sheet, which will increase earnings, the dividends we've seen now that they can buy, start buying back stock uh, in a couple of months, I believe, and also maybe increase that dividend if their plans pass the stress test. Yeah. So I like the banking industry. I think there's a lot of upside to it. I would just be patient. Uh, and again, you might miss it. It might go higher and yeah. ah, shouldn't have waited. But I, I think there is some potential to get this at a, a better price. Yeah, and we also have, which we, we, we it's too complicated to go on in the air here, but we do have a, a way that we actually uh, compute out what the target buy price would be. And I just have a feeling it would be not much lower. You said the price is what, 38 Something. Uh, price is $39.49. 52 yeah. week high is $39.97. My guess is the buy price, just throwing out a number here, is probably around $36.37. Yeah, I was going to say $37.38. So, yeah. So, so, and that's what I would kind of be patient for. But that's what we would do. We, we would actually look at that before we bought it. And right now, we're buying very little because things are going up. So, so again, uh, uh, Paul, for you, I, I, we like Bank of America, but be patient. Wait for a pullback before we jump into it. All righty? Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I just realized we did nothing with Facebook in the first hour. Uh, we did have from Robert on Facebook. Want to know about SAIC. So I thought we'd take a look at that for Robert uh, to see what those numbers look like and i think did you want me to read his comment for you oh yeah if you yeah because chase can't pull it up i guess so yeah if you got a complete yeah please read the comment there. all right he says if you get a chance could you look at saic science applications international looking to take up a position but seeing they lowered their forecast and it took a pretty good 16 percent hit last friday uh gotta get back to work i'll be back in a few hours thanks <laughs> <laughs> thank you brennan we appreciate that yeah because that, that kind of helps with that commentary as well so let's take a look at uh, science applications international corporation symbol as saic there is a good start here the pe ratio is 23.2 versus 63.3 price of sales 0.7 that's very good because the industry is at 12.1 and you, you kind of wonder why is there so low compared to the industry you got to understand that number Price to book value is not material versus 103. And then price to cash flow at 12.3, well below the industry at 37. Now, they do pay a nice dividend of 1.8% using 42%. They're needs to pay that out. We do see sales are up year over year, 10.6%. Not quite as good as the industry, up 12.6. However, earnings per share for SAIC fell by 7.2% when the industry was up 7.1. So I want to know why did their earnings fall? When their uh, sales are going up, you got to understand the answer to that question. Not thrilled about the balance sheet here either. Now you got a current ratio of one. That's about half the industry at two. Uh, okay with that, but what I don't like seeing is debt to equity is now 163 versus 74. And I just have a feeling, and I'd want to check this out, Robert, that their debt's been growing over time. Not a good situation. Check that out. Uh, return to equity is a 14.1, half the industry at 25. We do see a net profit margin checks in at. Uh, where'd it go? Uh, 2.9, well below the industry at 19.2. And receivable turnover is 6.9 versus 6.3. Chase, what do you got for the earnings? I will say, I think Robert listens because uh, last week, I think we looked at Lockheed Martin and I brought up the IT kind of right. way of the future for the defense. And, and that's what this company does. They they do the information technologies, primarily what they do. And, and they do serve you know the U.S. military, the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, and uh, Coast Guard. 
So they, they are in that, that realm. I think there is a, a lot of potential upside because, as I said last week, I think that's where the wars will be fought yep. in the years <clears throat> to come. Now, looking at the numbers for Science Applications International Corporation, again, ticker SAIC, current price $82.60, 52-week high is $103.95, and 52-week low, $68.76. And, you know, uh, Brennan brought up that Robert had said it had fallen 16% last Friday after announcing lowered guidance. Right. Sometimes I love buying companies when they lower that guidance because it overshoots to the downside. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, their earnings aren't going to be what it is, but now the value of those earnings is so much better than what it was when things were going yeah. great. So I think it, it could <laughs> present a potential opportunity, especially when you look at January 2023. Estimated earnings per share is $6.94. Would give you a target sell price of $115.20. So you see that upside there now. But the thing is, that balance sheet is a little concerning for me. I, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable enough with this company with that balance sheet. And, and you do want to check that because, again, the, the uh, debt seems to be going up. But what they could be doing, too, Chase, and we talked about this before and help educate people, is that they could be buying back stock, which actually reduces their equity, which can increase that debt to equity. So that's why this is a warning sign, but you can check to see if that number is true because and that's why I said, too, look on the balance sheet. Is the debt increasing or is it decreasing? So you got to look at all these numbers. And, again, we always like the thing where just give me the five things to look at to save us a good buy. <clears throat> so much more to it than, than that. Or they could have plans as well to be paying off that debt. I, I know yeah. uh, we looked at AT&T, I think it was last week, and again, different realm in terms right. of what they do. But AT&T a few years ago, I remember when we looked at it, it's like, oh, we, we're not interested because the debt's so high. Well, their debt to equity is now much ma- more manageable because they've been using a lot of their cash flow to continue to pay that down, and it's in their plans to continue to pay it down yeah. and sell off different assets to pay off that debt. So if you have a situation like that where they're pushing through it, I start to get a little bit more comfortable with the debt to equity in the 100% range um, because they have that planned to lower it. Right. And you have to kind of start to, I'm not going to say project it out, but get a, a good idea of, well, where is that amount going to be a comfortable level for us in terms of debt to equity? Is it a manageable position to actually pay off that amount? Do they have that cash flow, that availability of cash to pay off those coming debts? That that's where you really have to read and understand the company. Exactly, and and, and again, you got to look at many different factors, but just things for you kind of look at and make sure. But I, again, I do like the, the what they're into and so forth. But again, check I, I I like the premise of this company a lot. Yeah. Um, as I said, what, what they do, I like that they fell sixteen percent on uh, right. lowered earnings guidance, because oftentimes that is now, of course, baked into the stock, and they can surprise to the upside, and then the stock will go higher as well. Exactly. Alrighty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Rose. Rose, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent and Chase. I wanted to ask you about a REIT, and this is STAG Industrial, symbol S-T-A-G. Okay, Rose, and do you hold that or looking to buy that? Looking to buy it. Okay. What is a REIT? So we a little bit different numbers here, but we're still going to go over the numbers and kind of try to look at it a little bit differently here for you. Coming in as Stag Industrial Incorporated, symbol is STAG. Uh, we do see a PE ratio of 26.3 versus not material for the industry. Price to sales, wow, 11.4 versus 2.9. That is a warning sign there. We do see price to book value, 2 versus 1.8. And price of cash flow does look good, though, 13.2. 
versus 26.1. Now you get a nice dividend here of 4.2%. However, they use 112% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales are up 19.1% compared to the industry falling 16.5. Earnings per share were up 282% last 12 months when the industry fell 284%. Now the balance sheet a little bit different here. <clears throat> you got a current ratio, not material versus 0.47. And the debt to equity of 62 versus 271. I like on REITs when they have low debt because a lot of REITs do have very high debt. Stag Industrial does not. We do see return on equities a uh, 8.1 versus a negative 7.7. Net profit margin, wow, 43 versus a negative 14. And then receivable turnover of 7.1 versus 5.4. Chase, what do you got over there? Yeah, so current price for Stag Industrial, $34.56. 52-week high is $34.70. And 52-week low, well, that's $20.91. Now we got to December 2022. I do see funds from operation or FFO. Again, we use that for REITs because there's a lot of non-cash expenses that are, are baked into these real estate companies. So I like to look at this metric rather than the earnings per share of these REITs. Well, again, that $2.07 for FFO would give us a target sell price of $34.36. So I, 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 again, like the premise of this company. I think it's interesting. It, it's, it's just like a lot of other things out there right now. It's just a little too expensive there, Rose. And also, too, Rose, a lot of word on the street is like, oh, you got to go industrial, got to go industrial. So I think that party, everybody's at that party already. So you got to try to okay. find that one that people have not known about. And, and sometimes, again, it's it, you may not find it. Uh, what you kind of want to think is what's going to happen 12 to 24 months from now. What's going to be the industrial that was hot, you know, 12 to 24 months past. So I, I think it's very hard to find any industrial companies or REITs that right now are probably – on sale because I think the word is out already. Uh, are you expecting a pullback on the second quarter? Um, we expect a pullback. In general? In general, yeah. I mean, we expect a pullback. Could be on Monday, could be six months from now. I mean, we know that the market does have 10% corrections on a regular basis. So in the last one, I think we had, we kind of talked about this in the office, either September, October of last year. And I forget the reason for it. They, they, they do happen sometimes for silly reasons. Second wave. Second wave, that's what it was. Yeah, maybe there'll be a new virus that comes out. Who, who knows? I don't want to say that. Maybe. Well, yeah, don't jinx us, please. <laughs> yeah, but, but there's going to be something that's going to scare people to sell. The market will drop, and that's when things go on sale, and that's when you want to look at it. It even could just be, Rose, that people start, oh, things are getting too expensive, and then, yep, okay, yeah. now it's down 10%. So, I mean, I wish we could tell you the exact quarter, the exact month, the exact day that it would happen, yep. but... <laughs> We just know things are expensive, and you know, it could happen in three months, could happen in four months, could happen as Brent said next week. Yeah. But you know, just be patient with it. This could be a potential company. It's just too expensive right now. Yeah, and and patience are very important when it comes to investing. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Okay, Rose. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. You Bye-bye. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did you bring that email by chance? Uh, I did. Well, and and we had another one. That, uh, yeah, there it is. Yes, that's yes. the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, you're right. Because we said we're going to do this, so we got we got to do it. And again, we do take emails. We just got so many calls. We got people on Facebook. Uh, so let's do the email uh, because I didn't want to bring this up. It's, okay, so, and I like this here. Actually, it was addressed to you, uh, but it says, I, I love the Will C two hour format. You and Brent obviously have great chemistry. I am not on Facebook and do not want to be. Um, I go to my. I go for my five-mile walk Saturday mornings, and you two are part of my walk. If you could review ENVA on Saturday, if you have time, 
It was part of our portfolio at one time, and I continue to follow it. It has tripled in the last year. And what do you think about it now? We're ready. We're ready for the return of our client meeting. She's obviously a client. <laughs> so, and that is from Walt. All right. So let's look at, uh, let's see, ENVA. And I'm so glad you remember this, Chase, because I forgot about it. Yeah, and I, I do want to point out, we, we love hearing how people listen to us in different ways. You know, Walt likes to listen to us on walks. We had people garden, doing projects around the house. I will say, and I, I hope, uh, his name's Al. I hope Al's listening right now because he had the most interesting one we've had ever. He likes to listen to us while he picks up horse crap. <laughs> That's right. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> so, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm just out there picking up horse crap and uh, listening to you guys. Like, oh, okay. Well, hopefully the show's not as crappy as what you're doing. <laughs> well, we got about 40 minutes left. I had another one that I, I wanted to, yeah. to read from Ryan that uh, was actually a message. And I'll try to read that yeah. one. But let's, let's get back to uh, this company here, Nova International. Uh, symbol is ENVA. Great start here. PE ratio 3.2 uh, versus 18.5. Uh, price to sales 1.9 versus 2.4. Price to book value 2.1 versus 3.2. And price to cash flow checks in at 3.3. Very good. The industry's at 9. Now, unfortunately, here we do see that their sales are down 37.6%. Industry was up 3.4. And earnings per share, wow, they climbed by 177% when the industry fell by 16%. But you got to ask yourself, why did earnings decline, or sales decline 37%, but your earnings up 177 This could be what we talked about earlier in the show. could be accounting reasons, uh, so you want to understand uh, how that happened. Look at the balance sheet. we got a great current ratio of 13 versus 1.2, but no quick ratio. And this worries me because does that mean that they have no – Cash, no short-term investments. It's all in inventory and accounts receivable. That could be a problem. Be careful of that high number. Debt to equity looks okay at 103, and I say okay because the industry is 206, or so high debt industry. They're half that at, again, 103. Return on equity is 58.5 versus 12.3. That's kind of a crazy number as well. Uh, net profit margin checks in at 55.3% versus 12.8. Again, it means you make 55 cents. And every dollar you bring in, something sounds strange on that. And then receivable turnover is 0. 0.6 versus 2.1. Chase, what do you got for the numbers going forward? Yeah, so I did look into this company briefly here. Uh, it is a technology and analytics company, but it provides online financial services. Uh, the company offers installment loans, line of credit accounts, receivables, purchase agreements, income share agreements, CSO programs, including arranging loans with independent third-party lenders, and assisting in the preparation of loan applications and loan documents, as well as bank programs, such as marketing services and loan servicing. So one thing that I'm going to point out here is this company was incorporated in 2011. One thing that, that concerns me a little bit about this company is how would it do during a potential financial crisis? It didn't go through 2008-2009, um, and anything that's kind of in the financial realm, I get a little bit nervous about it, I right. guess, just because they could be, I'm, I'm just going to say not as established. So that is just an area of concern that, that I would point out because I, I look at the numbers here, current price, $36.09, right near a 52-week high of $41.06 and well off a 52-week low of $9.43. But if I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $6.27 would give you a target sale price of $104.08. Almost looks too good to be true in terms of those estimated earnings. 
And I, as I said, just get a little bit nervous with companies like this. Yeah, and it's just like too good to be true. Did you stick the range of the analysts on that? Oh, you probably didn't, did you? No, um, but yeah. I mean, I, I I would look at their earnings here. And I mean, in 2019, they made $4.08, $2,027.26. So how did they make so much money last year? And then this year, it's estimated to drop to $4.68. So I mean, their earnings are kind of quite variable there. Um, but if I look at the range for 2022, it's actually pretty tight. Yeah. There's only four analysts, but the high is $6.56 and the low is $6.03. Yeah. Sometimes when things just don't look right, you, you really got to do more research on it. Again, you got the great numbers there, but again, you had such, and again, you had the declining sales, but you had such a big increase on the earnings. I, I, I don't know. These are things that I want to really look into before I say yes on the company. Yeah. And I, I, we, of course, don't like to invest on our feelings, but I just have this this feeling that something isn't right here, and, and I would want to, as you said, do more research here. And because and I, I, I just, there's just something that I, I can't put my finger on right now, but I, I don't have that that confidence in this business. Yep, yep. All righty, let's move on here. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three. Let's head out to San Diego and speak with Brendan. Brendan, you're on the Smart Investing Show of Brent Chase. How can we help you? Out? Hey guys, uh, I was wondering about Cleveland Cliff, oh. Bidmull CLF, and uh, I bought into it, and they just came out with uh, some great forecasts. I want to know what you guys thought about it. Okay, and this was a company that I bought, uh, gosh, many years ago, and then we sold them, and they went bankrupt, and they, they're out of bankruptcy now, so I'm kind of curious. They had a merger with Cleveland. and Oh, yeah, they had a merger. Because it used to be Cliff's Natural Resources. That's right. That's right. Uh, you're, you're correct on that. Yeah. So, um, all right. And again, with all that's going on with the, quote-unquote, infrastructure rebuild, this company could be benefiting from this potential, which, it, you know, when I looked at them, we, we said we'll talk more about this as we do more research on it, but I, I was just wondering, Chase, too, uh, how much really with this infrastructure bill that's out there now, I don't think a lot of these companies are going to benefit that much from it. So that's my concern. Yeah. But um, anyways, Cleveland Cliffs, symbol is CLL, no, CLF. Uh, Unfortunately here, we see no PE ratio versus 72 for the industry. Price to uh, to, uh, sales looks very good though, 1.8 versus 4.1. Price to book value, 8.3. That is above the industry at 5.8. Then price of cash flow is expensive, 41 versus 17. Uh, the company does not pay a dividend. We do see that sales are up 169% year over year versus the industry falling 3.8%. However, we got the same situation. Earnings fell by 134% when the industry was up 25. So how are you growing sales by such great amount, but yet your earnings are falling? What is going on? Why, why is that company doing that? Balance sheet, not good news here. Current ratio, 1.8 versus 2.8 for the industry. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is here again, debt to equity, 207 versus 105. Did this company not learn their lesson from filing bankruptcy before? Why is the debt so high? That does worry me. Uh, And I have seen companies file bankruptcy uh, more than once over years. So be careful here. Return to equity, a negative 10 versus a positive 10. Net profit margin, a negative 1.5 versus a positive seven. And then receivable turnovers, 8.5 versus 9.4. And inventory turnovers, 2.4. Not quite as good as the industry at three. Chase, what do you got for the uh, earnings going forward? 
Yeah, so current price here for Cleveland Cliffs is $19.42. 52-week high, well, that's $20.34. And 52-week low, well, that's $3.30. I go out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $1.44. Would give us a target sell price of $23.90. So still a little bit of value there. But I, I do have a kind of similar concern that I brought up with applied materials that I, I think there's that, oh, the infrastructure rebuild. And I, I think that this is going to drag out longer than people anticipate. And I think if you start to see that that hope fizzle, I think you could see some some falling <laughs> stock prices in those particular businesses. And, and the other thing I do want to point out that's quite interesting with Cleveland Cliffs is in 2021, so this year, they're estimating $3.01. So what is going on with the the prices for these commodities that you're seeing a huge surge yeah. in earnings for this year and the next year they're cutting about half right. that, that's not generally a good thing to look at it's not too exciting so I, I i just would want to understand more about the business and as brent pointed out the debt to equity is something that would always steer us away from companies like this yeah and the other thing i did for you too brendan was i looked at their their debt uh over the last year their debt has increased from 2.1 billion up to 5.7 billion. So they are borrowing a lot of money. I'm not sure what they're doing with that money, but it, it, yeah, they they uh, they actually bought a uh, they went into high end steel, I guess, kind of. Hmm. They, they actually bought a company, a steel company. Uh, steel. So they're not just mining it; they're now refining it and going. I guess they have long term contracts with the auto industry now. Okay. And that, that brings up other questions. And investing is a lot of questions. Like, okay, so they, they did that. Um, what's their competition like? I mean, you've got the, the two big ones are what? Nucor Steel. You've got U.S. Steel. Um, I, 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 that just worries me that. And now you've put more goodwill on the balance sheet. So that that's a weaker balance sheet. I so. know Nucor has been, I'm going to say, thriving in the auto industry. Yeah. They've been getting good contracts and so forth. I'm curious how this company competes against it. And just some questions, I guess, yeah. that need to and, be answered on it. Yeah, and car sales have done phenomenal, but they're not going to keep yeah. on doing that. So now you've taken on more debt. I, I, I think the car sales will do okay for at least maybe another 12 months or so. So th- this is one that I'm not feeling comfortable with this because when we buy a business, we like to buy the business for three to five years. I think in three to five years, this this business could have problems. Cleveland Cliffs could have major problems. So it might do well in the short term. but And it's an extremely cyclical industry as yeah. well. So they could have earnings, and all of a sudden the earnings could just disappear. Yeah. So it's one just to be very, very careful of, I would say, especially with high debt. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before I go back to calls, again, I want to talk about that workshop because we only got 10 seats left. And that workshop is going to be Thursday, April 8th at 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery, right off of Miramar Road. Uh, we're going to talk about all the fundamentals, how we made it through COVID-19, what we're doing long-term and how this will help you benefiting long-term to really get your arms around investing to understand what you're doing. So you don't panic and, and, and get all upset and nervous when, when things drop, which they will. You'll be looking at the fundamentals. It'll make you more comfortable. Uh, understanding, uh, calculating target sell prices, buy prices. We're going to do all this for you, show you all what you should be investing in, what you should maybe avoid. It is free, but again, sitting is limited. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 
8546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And ask for Janae. She'll get you signed up and look forward to seeing you Thursday, April 8th at 6 o'clock and have a beer there at Ale Smith. Yep. Yeah. Looking Good forward times. To yes. So. I'm kind of excited. Most of the time we do it in our office, it's going to be fun to do one off-site. Yeah, do it, do it out in the public. But again, we only got like 10 seats left, so be careful there. Yep. Don't don't delay. Yeah. All righty. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Steve. Steve, you're on Smart Vegetable, <coughs> Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, hey, you I doing? really enjoy your show. Well, thank you. And uh, just wanted to ask you about ASML. Uh, I used to own Symer, and I ended up selling it. And I realized ASML bought Symer. And so I'm looking at maybe purchasing some ASML. Okay. And, and this is a company based in the Netherlands, isn't it? Yes. Yes, I believe they are. Okay. That's correct. All right. Let me update my view here to try to get some numbers here for you on ASML <coughs> Holdings. Based. Uh, let's see. Is it updating here? Uh, what's going on? You get anything over there, Chase? Yeah, I'm all squared away. Gosh, how'd you get squared away so quick? <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> know how to navigate it well, I guess. I, I guess so. I, I just got something strange here. Uh, okay, here we go. I, I got something here for you. Okay. Alrighty. So coming again is uh, ASML Holdings NV, which stands for the Netherlands. Uh, high PE ratio here of 60. Uh, price to sales, 15.9. <coughs> Excuse me, that's also pretty high. Price to book value, 27.8. And price to cash flow, 48. So all the valuation ratios are very high. I do see you get a half percent dividend using 26%. There needs to pay that out. Sales did go up 18.3% year over year. And earnings rose by 44%. So that's looking pretty positive. The balance sheet looks good. You got a current ratio of 2.4 versus 31 Return on equity is also very good, 25. Net profit margin is 25.8. And we do see receivable turnover, 8.1. And inventory turnover, 1.8. Kind of concerned on that. But I like the numbers I'm seeing here. Uh, Chase, what are you seeing for the earnings going forward? Yeah, this is another one of those semiconductor equipment systems. So they, again, don't make the semiconductors. They make the semiconductor equipment. But I look at the current price for ASML. $637.10, 52-week high, $639.49, and wow, 52-week low, that's $242.25. Unfortunately, I go out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $14.30. That would give us a target sell price, unfortunately, of just $237.38. So this is, uh, again, another one of those expensive growth Momentum stocks, it's its very, very expensive. It, it wouldn't be a, a good value stock at this time. Yeah, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. just kind of expensive there. So. Okay. All right. Well, I was just trying to get an idea. I know they, they, they create the equipment that, that produces uh, the lasers yeah. that mm. laser the microchips. Mm. And so um, I just thought maybe they might be a good company to look into. And it's a good company. You just want to, there's a lot of great companies out there, but you want to be the guy that buys it on sale, not pays, pays full price for it. That's, that's the big difference. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Steve. Buy low, sell high. That's hey, what we're thanks supposed to do. a lot, guys. You're welcome. Have thanks a for happy calling. Easter, huh? Hey, you too. Right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. You know, it's always hard because that's the thing with momentum investing mm-hmm. is there's always a little bit more juice left in the tank. 
Well, I guess not always. Sometimes, sometimes you might buy the top. Most of the time, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always when you, you invest around trends and you invest around concepts. Or there's always that opportunity where it could go up another 20, 30%. But we like to find stocks where, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's, there's a, you know, an oversupply in the, yeah. the manufacturing <clears throat> of chips. Why would you want to buy then? Because that's when things are on sale. And guess what? Most of the time, things get fixed. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> when things are on sale, you're going to start to be ahead of the problem. And as the problem gets resolved, that's when the stock price will go up. And you'll miss out on the momentum. You're never going to sell at the top. Whereas like, oh my gosh, it went up another, sometimes it go up another 100% and you could miss out on that. Right. But again, if you look at things when they're depressed, when things are having issues, that's when we like to buy things. Not when you know that there's a good trend occurring, like, oh, the stay at home trend. Right. Yeah, we missed that one. Right. You know, that, that it's it's too hard to time the trends is the problem. Yep. In, in, in my knowledge, I mean, I, I have a degree in accounting and I loved accounting because it was very common sense. For every debit, you had to have a credit. And it just, it, it made sense to me. And that's the same thing with value investing. You've got a target sell price. You know that nothing's going to go to the moon. Momentum investing, yeah, you might, yeah, things will be going great and you buy the stock, but what is it really worth? You have nothing to put your arms around. And, that, and that's why, because I think my, you know, background being accounting, this always made sense to me where, and again, we've missed, you know, big ones on Amazon and, uh, you know, Facebook and so forth. But the ones that we bought, we've actually done, I think, long-term probably better. Yeah. Because, again, with, and, and the, other, the other thing, too, when you have what we have, you have that feeling, we can take a bigger position because we have something. And people say, oh, yeah, I, I bought Amazon back at uh, $100 a share. Oh, really? How, how much did you buy? Oh, I, I bought 10 shares. <laughs> it's like, and it's still not 1% of their portfolio yet. So. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to say we, we had some positions transfer over from a, a new client this last week. Mm -hmm. And there's like... I think 150 positions. I saw those, yeah. And some of them were like 0.1%. It's like, this thing could double, and it's yeah. not going to move the portfolio whatsoever. Right. It's just like, oh, I'll just spread it out and hope that something works. That's not how we like to invest because, yeah, you might own Amazon. You might have done really well, but it literally didn't make you any money because right. it right. was such a small <laughs> portion. It didn't, it didn't change your investments. At all, really. Yeah. And I talked earlier in the show about uh, my career started, you know, 40-some years ago and how it just didn't seem right. There had to be a better way. And one of the things they said, well, if you're throwing enough on the wall, something's going to stick. Well, that just, again, didn't make sense to me. Shouldn't you spend some time to find those pieces that will stick, you know, as opposed to just throwing a bunch up there, hope that something happens? Like, no, let's do some research. Find what will stick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say something that sounds a little crazy, but sometimes a stock that does 100% can be better than a stock that does 1,000%. Because if you're speculating and do the 1,000%, yeah. I'm going to put a little bit of money in. Well, if you knew that company, you felt confident in that company, you understand it, and you weren't like, oh, I don't, I don't know, it's a gamble, and you put in, a, a, I think we always tell people we put 6% of our portfolio in a particular position. That goes up 100%. You could have made way more money just because of the weighting of that stock yep. in the portfolio. So yep. you know that, that's why we like to, again, understand our businesses. I don't want to say we make good-sized bets, we make good-sized investments in yeah. our companies. Yep, and you'll learn that at the workshop as yep. well, what we do. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 
877-247-2473. I just want to read this comment because I, I, I just saw it. It's like, you know, I think we've heard this a lot from people, but I just want to kind of read it because it was something very good. Uh, Ryan sent this on Thursday on our social media. And he said, I want to thank you again. I received the shirt you sent me. And this was in regards to we had a thing on uh, promotion on Facebook that uh, if you share the post, we'd send you a free smart investing T-shirt, which uh, which we did. And we'll we'll do more of that going yeah. forward. But he says, I listen to your show every Saturday. I am an AT&T technician. I'm usually working out of my van on the side of the road somewhere. Uh, I don't know much at all about investing. But again, we always wonder what people are listening to. He's in yep. his van on working and, and so forth. So I like hearing that. Uh, I've been trying to learn so I can succeed. I want to work for my money and not other people's money. I've seen you on TV for many years, and now the Saturday morning time slot is awesome. I don't want to listen to the best of like the other stations. I feel like I am learning and absorbing your content is much better as it is productive. Lots of things on the radio these days are mindless. I try to follow along the best I can. There's certain terminology and statistics involved that I don't understand yet. I'm hoping to make it one of your workshops soon so I can figure this out. I can't make it to the Ale Smith this round, maybe on the next one. If you have any issues with AT&T, let me know. I'll give you an honest answer either way. Thanks again, Brent, uh, Ryan. So it's just nice to hear stuff like that because again, when you're, and that's why I think we like doing the workshops and doing uh, you know, our client events because you can see the people, you can talk to the people, you can see the responses. On radio, it's you and I. Well, we got Brendan in there. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, we don't know what people are thinking or what they're hearing. With it. And when they do call in, somebody will say, like, uh, I think, Steve, oh, I love your show and so forth. So it's just kind of nice for somebody to take the time to write something, you know, positive uh, about it. And, and we do get people that complain sometimes about things that we might say or so forth. That, that's part of it. But it's nice to hear. And, and you'll hear the complaints many times more than you hear the positive side, but it is kind of nice to hear the positive side. Sometimes we get a little bit too political, political. I guess. But, yeah, yeah. You know, it is what it is. Sometimes that, that bleeds in there. But, you know, I, I, I do think the reason that uh, we do have a good show is because we, I, I think we're very transparent. We're very yep. honest about things. And I, I think we're pretty direct where there's not, oh, yeah, we love Tesla because it's done so great. We love Amazon. And I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of shows out there, they just – they like to talk about the hype because right. it's it's interesting. People want it. Oh yeah, it makes them feel good. Where, you know, we stick to our strategy. We stick to our guns here in terms of our approach, and um, that's how we manage money too. Yeah, we we tell people we're not always going to find the next big hits, and and people want to hear that. People want to hear to kind of reaffirm that they're right. right. And you know, we'll, we'll tell you you know our methodology, and and we'll show you why our methodology doesn't say that right and i think that's what makes us successful in investing and i think that's what makes a show interesting and intriguing for people yep exactly and again you can do very well uh we bought well actually i bought you weren't with me yet but back in 2008 when the banks were failing and so forth i bought some banks and still hold those banks so just imagine what they have done i yep. can't tell you the numbers but you can look at the numbers yourself yeah <laughs> i was talking to a client yesterday and um you know, I, I, I was thinking it's like, a, and Billy Bean, uh, he's uh, the money ball. Oh, yeah, the money ball. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think they won the World Series, so I don't know if I want to use this anymore, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> the concept's good. Yeah, the concept's good. It's, you know, rather than looking for sluggers and guys that hit the home runs and, you know, are the flashy ones that are like, right. oh, the all-stars, you know, he made this team of guys that, what's their on-base percentage? Right. It doesn't matter if they get walks or they get singles. I want guys that get on base. Yeah. That's our investment philosophy. 
is I don't want the guy that's going to go out there and hit 50 home runs in a season, right. and it might be sexy, and it, it might work out. But oftentimes, those are the guys that lead the league in strikeouts, yeah. and they could leave guys on base. If you get guys that get on base, they're safer. You can score a lot of runs and do very, very well. And, of course, this is kind of a metaphor for right. investing, <laughs> is we like those businesses that are successful. They get on base very often, but they're not going to go up a 1,000% a year. They're not right. going to always hit that home run. They could hit the home run, right? But it's not going to occur as frequently, or as largely as you know some of those very speculative ones, right? And and, and again, I, I think the Billy Bean thing is a good thing. And he said, "Well, I don't know if I'm gonna mention this because they never won the World Series." And I don't I don't know baseball super I, well. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the movie they didn't win it. They so. didn't win it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, what I was gonna say too is that we're not gonna be the best money manager out there in the entire world, but we're going to get people on base. We're going to make you money. By doing what we're doing, we're not going to. If you're, we're not going to make you into a billionaire. We're not going to. If you, if you have ten dollars, we're not going to make you a millionaire. We're going to. We're for people. Our system is like getting people on base without those big strikeouts. Because if you strike out in investing, many times you walk away saying it's just too risky. I'm not going to do it. And and so therefore, that's what we try to do is make it so that you get on base, you get good runs, but you're not going to be the World Series of investing. You're not going to make a, uh, uh, you know. Uh, you're not going to double your money over the next uh, two months. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to El Cajon and uh, speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. I had one stock I wanted you to look at. I'm I'm looking at. Uh, they said I could only do one, but you've done two before. There's two that really are interesting to me. Uh, the first one is INOD. Okay, and that one, and, I, and I'm not going to be able to do two, because we'll tr sometimes do two if we're not that busy. I mean, we got s a lot of callers this morning. We got people on Facebook, so I, I can do one. I did pull up the Indonesia Energy Corp for you. You want me to do that one versus that one? No data. That's what I have. Oh, wait. That one versus Solo. You choose. Oh, oh, we, we choose? Okay, wait. Yeah. Okay, because I is it Indonesia Energy Corporation? Is that the one you want, John? Uh, the one I have, it's called, <clears throat> excuse me, let me look it up. It's, uh, this one, I-N-O-D. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, information I, techno, yeah. Yep. Okay, I put in the wrong symbol, so that's my fault. Okay, so let me start over again. Try to be so company. N-O-D, okay, I think yeah. N-D-O. All right, so let's see what I get here. All right, here we go. In InnoData Incorporated. So let's do that one there. Symbol is I N O D. Uh, not a great start here, John. The P ratio is three eighty one versus fifty nine. Price to sales three versus three point six. That is good. Price to book value seven point five versus not material. And then price to castle is expensive fifty eight versus nineteen point seven. They do not pay a dividend. We do see that their sales are up four point three percent. Year over year, better than the industry, up 3.4. Earnings did climb by 121%. Industry fell by 22%. But again, you want to ask, how can you grow your earnings 120% when your sales only up 4.3%? Could be that accounting thing that we talk about. Current ratio, 1.7 versus 1.2. Debt to equity, very good, 27. <clears throat> the industry is at 73. Return to equity, not so good, 2.2 versus 12.7. Net profit margin, 1.1 versus 6. And then receivable turnover is 5.9, above the industry at 4.7. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? 
Yeah, so to start here for uh, NO data, I do have a current price of $6.62. 52 week high is $9.49, and that 52 week low, 75 cents. So it, it's been all over the place in terms of that price movement. Now, if I look at the market cap, it is a, a small company at just $171 million. So very, very small there. Problem with that, <coughs> excuse me, I'm, I'm like you right now. I got something in my throat. It's <laughs> <coughs> hereditary. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> problem with that is there's no analyst going forward so i can't drive a target sell price <clears throat> you're kind of on your own here in regard to following this company yeah so it's it's again quite speculative very very risky it, it could yeah. it could go back to nine dollars or it could go back perhaps to 75 cents yeah so, the, the the reason i thought it had strength and i understand i don't totally understand what you guys just said but i hear what you're saying mm-hmm. is that it's serving the banking financial i'm just reading you here serving banking financial services technology digital retailing healthcare, science and insurance sectors those are pretty strong and i i see those staying strong that's the only reason i i felt like there was some merit to holding it and, and john you bring up a good point that those stay pretty strong. The thing you want to do is find a company that's strong as well. And this company here, we're just not sure if it's a strong mm-hmm. company. So you, you want a company that's going to be around, not one that's too small that could be gone tomorrow. Well, especially if they serve that many industries and they're only yeah. $171 million market cap, how much are they really doing in each of those industries to derive you know, right. X amount of sales? And who are their competitors? Because they might have like, one retail company or, or yeah. one financial company and the rest of their business could be, you know, in something that might not be as successful. So I, I would just want to understand the breakdown of it. They could serve <laughs> a lot of industries, but be heavily concentrated in one in particular, which could hurt them down the road. And, and, gotcha. John, and I'll give you something too to excite you, but I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to, it's so small. If it's that strong, someone could pick it up and buy it at a much higher price, but don't gamble on that. But that is a possibility. I'll put it out there for you. All righty. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Sure. Appreciate your show. Okay, John. Thanks for calling. You have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Were you going to say something? No. Oh, okay. I, I was just, <laughs> I kind of smiled at you. Okay. Uh, okay. Cause I was going to get the weird. phone numbers, but I know we're running short on time. So I, I, w- I want to try to finish up as much as we can here. So let's go out to Poway and speak with Brian. Brian, you're in the smart vessel, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for your service and your conservative approach. I was listening uh, earlier. You were talking about Science Applications International and Lockheed Martin. And the world these days is a little bit more contentious on the world front and defense stocks being what they are. Um, I was interested. and I I thought back to... um, uh, Honeywell, they're uh, a defense uh, uh, industry uh, leader, but they also are kind of uh, diversified. I was looking at some of their stats, and they've got a pretty high PE in the 32 uh, range. Their forward PE is 24, uh, but it looks like they gapped up pretty big time uh, back in November around uh, 160 to uh, over 200 and they're they're pushing uh, two 215 right now they look kind of overpriced but a lot of uh analysts are saying buy and hold buy and hold there were some recent uh downgrades i'm curious as to your folks opinion on honeywell all right well, well let's take a look at honeywell their symbol is h o n 
And I still yeah. see Honeywell with a thermostat on the wall. That's how I still see them. I see it as the fan. <laughs> the fan. You know, I, I always remember just the, the, the location fans, the small little fans. I, I remember I had a Honeywell fan in yeah. college, and that, that's just what every time I picture, I hear picture, Honeywell. Yeah. And then I know what, they do a lot of other things. Right. But. <laughs> Brian, as you point out, so many more things now. Uh, but they do have you right. They, they have a high P.E. ratio of 32.3 versus not material for the industry. Price of sales also high here, 4.6 versus 2. No price to tangible book value, same as the industry. And I know that they've acquired a lot of companies over the years. They're not just a thermostat or the fan company, but that does lead to a lot of goodwill on the balance sheet. And we do see that uh, price of cash flow, 25.7. That's very good because the industry is 77. Now, you do get a 1.7% dividend. They use 53% of their earnings to pay that out. I'm kind of surprised it's that high for that low of a dividend. Uh, their sales, well, they're actually down 11.1% year over year, which is worse than the industry decline at 3.5. Earnings per share for Honeywell fell by 16.4%. Industry was down 104. Now, the balance sheet, not too bad, but not too good. Current ratio, 1.5. That is the same as the industry. Debt to equity is 128, which is below the industry at 138. But 128, 130, that's about my absolute limit. I want to see also, too, when I look at that, are they paying down that debt? Is it rising? What is the cash flow? So when I get to that 128 level on the debt to equity, I really want to do more research to make sure that we're not going to have a debt problem uh, a year from now. Return on equity is 26.5 versus a negative 1.2. Net profit margin, 14.9 versus a negative 0.5. That's a positive. Receivable turnover is 4.6 versus 4.4. That is good. And inventory turnover, 5 well above the industry at 2.3. So I'm kind of like what I'm seeing here now, except for that debt. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? And so current price here for Honeywell is $216.80. 52-week high, $219.67. And that 52-week low, well, that's $117.11. Now I got to go out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $8.89. Would give us a target sell price of $147.57. And... You know, as you know, Brian, once it hits our target sell price, we sell. So, I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we would recommend to sell on this company. And I do think, you know, the defense sector right now is actually interesting. I, I know years ago we looked at it, and I like defense companies. I think they're pretty stable in terms of their contracts. There's always going to be <clears throat> demand for them. I, I do believe that. Um, and right now there, there's a lot of other defense manufacturers that the valuations are much, much stronger. And I think it's because this is a diversified company and other industrial type industries as well where they might be getting a, a lift in terms of the valuations but i think a pure defense company is going to be where the opportunities are not not in a diversified company like honeywell as you see it's quite expensive and the other thing too that you want to think about and i hate to bring this up you kind of have to is i'm just not sure how much the current administration is going to put into defense they just Generally, Democrats are not big defense people. And that's where I disagree. I think it now is the time to buy it because I think that's why the opportunities are <laughs> there. there is because we're going – it's kind of like we were talking about the chips. You want to yeah. buy when the, the chips are oversupplied, not undersupplied, because that's where the opportunity is. I think that's why – and I remember right. under the Trump administration, you couldn't find a defense manufacturer because everybody wanted to buy defense. And, 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 and now it's the opposite. <laughs> and I agree with you 100% come 2023. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, we, we like the concept of the company. I think it's a little bit too pricey. And I forgot, you said you hold it or you're looking at buying it? Oh, no, no. I was I was looking at it through rose-colored glasses. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, I, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, too expensive, but uh, I wanted to get your guys' uh, take on it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, and it's it's one I think yeah, worth watching. I appreciate the uh, the input, guys. Thank you very much. Okay, Brian, thanks for calling. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. I mean, investing is really pretty hard because again, you see these great companies, and you and, and I know people. There's people sitting on a lot of cash, and it's like I want to buy something, especially when you see things going up. And like, gosh, everybody's making money. I'm not. I'm sitting in cash. I listen to that guy Brent and Chase, and they say, "Don't get impatient." But everybody's making money, but me. And my friend's up twenty percent on this one yeah. hype stock that he right. bought, and I should have bought that. <laughs> right. And the thing they miss out is the long term effect. I talked about for the younger gentleman. Uh, it was what thirty two. Um, the cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. Yeah. Compounding long term, and it, I mean, yes, we're doing very good right now. But I'm still now. I'm I'm looking at okay, great in two thousand twenty one. But you got to be thinking about 2022, 2023. You've got to think longer term. And it's okay to miss things a little bit um, and do well. I mean, because we tell people we, we try and do 8 to 10, maybe 12% on average per year. That, that's what we strive for. Yeah. And if you look at the compounding of, of that over time, you do very, very, very well. But the problem is, oh, I could do 25% a year on my own. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's just... There's, there's some people that might have done that in the past. Oh, for one year. Yeah. So. But long term, I mean, gosh, you'd, you'd be a billionaire if you if you oh. do the right things and you save and you you could do 25% for other people. I mean, if a money yeah. manager says they could do 20% per year, I'm going to say they're lying. Yeah, the I, likelihood of that is, is they they would be better than Warren Buffett. Yeah, they, they'd be very famous. And and this is why we do the workshop. And again, I can't believe it's going to this Thursday. So the last time I talked about it, it is going to be Thursday, April 8th at 6 o'clock at Ale Smith Brewery, right off of Miramar Road. It is free. We only have about 10 seats left. But we're going to talk about investing. If you love the radio show, you're going to love the detail that we go into uh, at the workshop on the fundamentals. How much we, we, we do talk about the financial statements. We talk about things you shouldn't be doing. We'll talk about interest rates. We'll talk about bonds. We'll talk about things that you may not have wondered about, but it's about over, I, I think we go about an hour and 10 minutes, Chase, is probably what we speak for. Uh, yeah, probably around. I, I don't know how we're going to do questions yet, so I, I think yeah. that's what normally will take some time. So, well, normally I think our presentation is about an hour, hour and 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, so, but it, it's something that's really going to help you out, but you got to sign up for it. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Talk to Janae. I, I'm really very excited about doing this this Thursday because we've not done one in over a year. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is if you want, you know, bring a notepad. You can take notes. We're not going to stop yeah. you from taking notes and jotting things down. Um, most of the time, we do give out pens and notepads and stuff. But we're, we do? We give out pens? We do with our okay. we'll see asset management, okay. but okay. this time we're we're not because of COVID. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, so it's a little bit different. But if you want to bring notepad and, and take notes and stuff, yeah, be my guest, yeah. be our guest, be our guest. We we hope to see you there. We'll see you then. Hope to see you Thursday. <laughs> and there's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at eight five eight. 546 4306 that's 858-546-4306 or visit our website smart 2000.com that's smart 2000.com and for more daily educational information on investment tips go to our facebook page smart investing with brent and chase wilsey today's show is sponsored in part by thompson reuters refinitive closing song for night frank sinatra's my way is performed by local entertainer roman palacis thanks for listening to smart investing show we'll talk more next week and may I say 
This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.